Good afternoon, good evening, depending on where in the world you're listening from. Last week, we had a sit down with Heath Gunn, diving into the ins and outs of his writing journey so far. So if you haven't done so already, you can have listened to that episode on, well, wherever you get your podcasts. This week, however, we'll be sitting down with award-winning journalist and crime author Ali Steed, which, to be honest, I'm probably too excited about. (laughs) How have you been? Good. Yeah, all well, good. Thanks. Very well. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, it's been been a bit crazy the past couple of weeks, but um, yeah, really excited to have you on. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, I think I think it's really it's going to be a treat for all of us. Um, it's a completely different. Uh, we're taking a different approach to writing, which um, I think is always fun. <laughs> ah. Oh. Oh. I hope I live up to it. I hope I hope I live up to your expectations now. <laughs> I think you absolutely will. You're too kind. Thank you. (laughs) So a little icebreaker for you, a little icebreaker question. If you had the chance to sit down with any fictional character and have a chat, who would that be and why? Oh, that's tough. That is tough, actually. Historical, I could tell you really easily and really quickly. Historical, I would probably say Elizabeth the first because I think for her time she was incredibly I mean she was obviously incredibly intelligent um was living in a man's world in some very very difficult and very aggressive situations and yet she still managed to come out on top in all of them um, and if I managed to keep my head, I think um, she would be a very interesting <laughs> dinner. Yes. Managed to keep your head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a big one. <laughs> you, you have got you have got me thinking though about fictional characters now. That's such an interesting question. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. So I'm a big fan of Sylvia Plath. Oh yeah. So probably. Esther from the Bell Jar, I think, would be quite interesting. Yeah, fictional characters always are always interesting. Um, I think, especially when you have so many favourites. Um, I think for me, if there was a, a novel that I'd like to sort of be in, uh, would be To Kill a Mockingbird. I think that would always be interesting to to go go back to that time and see what's happening. Yeah, that that is a fascinating read, actually. Yeah, it is. It really is quite dark, yeah. actually. I didn't realise it, it as a kid. Yeah, it is, and also it's one. It's it's interesting, isn't it? Because you read it at um, at school, yeah. And because of the nature of what it is, you kind of don't see that under the undercurrent. Although I, I actually one of the things um, when I was in my teens, very long time ago now, <laughs> um, <laughs> I wrote a piece. It was a, a, a an English essay on um, Jane Eyre and the use of mirrors oh, yeah. 
in Jane Eyre because I find it quite fascinating because I think Jane Eyre is quite a quite a horrible character because every time she looks in a mirror she sees something wicked she sees an imp or a devil or something like that and I actually think that in when you kind of look at the story and the way that she ends up con controlling the situation and controlling um you know everything about it's Rochester isn't it I'm trying to remember yeah so when when she ends up controlling his his life effectively I just think there's something quite sinister about her as a character that you don't necessarily get it in the first read through um, and I think the use of mirrors and the image in Jane Eyre is quite fascinating uh, mm. yeah it's really I think it's really interesting like when you're like you said when you have to read something for school because we did to kill a mockingbird i think it was in year 10 um yeah. and it was it is actually quite dark um and i i never really realized uh how dark it was and i think the implications on society and what it means to be part of society and uh equally what it means to be excluded um or isolated from society for me like those were concepts i didn't really get when i was 16 um, yeah. not as much anyway so <laughs> yeah for sure i i guess it's it's one no. of the beauties of art, though, that you learn so much mm. about life from art. Yeah, and it's timeless, isn't it? It is. Absolutely. And, you know, the same as any kind of history, whether it's political history or, um, it, you know, just any type of sort of movement, it tends to repeat and repeat and repeat. And the sad thing is it tends to repeat after the people who learned the lessons of the the previous problems and no longer here to pass those lessons on. So, yeah, we're getting a bit dark and deep and sad though. Sorry about that. <laughs> I mean, that's that's <laughs> kind of the point of the show, isn't it? That's crime. <laughs> As I keep saying, that's crime in a nutshell. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, okay, moving on then from uh, the dark things, although we're probably going to get back into them. <laughs> we will. I'm sure we yeah. will for sure. Absolutely. It's funny, like most of the authors that I've spoken to as well, including myself, uh, have a, not not a thing for the dark side, but I mean, it sort of comes with the genre. I've said it like twice now, but yeah. it's it's inevitable. It's just a kind of one of the things that comes with writing crime. Um, yeah. Because I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I think for most of us, it's exploring those themes and trying to unpack and understand uh, the reasons behind why someone does what they do. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to be honest, writing writing the characters who are the most sinister in a way can be so much fun. Like not you can you can get away with stuff yeah. that that actually you simply can't get away with. Um yeah, so I just um I find that really, really interesting, just trying to get into someone else's head to understand what makes them do something so yeah. heinous to somebody else. Um, yeah, fascinating. It's it's really, it's real. Sometimes it's hard work. I don't know if you find that, Sam, but... Yeah, it, it really is. It, it can be extraordinarily hard work, but actually when you read it, you 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 do get an awful lot of um, satisfaction almost out of out of trying to inhabit someone else's persona who is very very different from your own. 
yeah, that's the joy of writing, though, isn't it? Because I don't know. I think in crime specifically, and that's something I've that well, I've always found interesting, but it's also uh, always drawn me to writing it. Aside from from reading, it, obviously, um, was the fact that you have to wear so many different hats. Um, I suppose depending on what you write. Like for me, obviously, I write a procedural. So for me, it's juggling. Uh, the police, obviously, and their investigation, the victim, sometimes the killer, sometimes the family of the victim. So it's it's all these different emotions and, and different uh, personalities and, uh, you know, things that you have to kind of look at um, where I feel in, in other genres you don't really dive into. Yeah, that sense. I think that's true. And I think the, the fact that there's almost, to each of the characters, there seems to be an extra layer peeled away in crime. And that's one of the reasons I love it so much. You know, I've always been into sort of crime novels. I've I've been so enjoying writing it as well. Um, yeah, uh, it, it's it's great. I, I really do enjoy it. Yeah, it really is. And like you said, it is a lot of work because I think it can be emotionally draining as well sometimes. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably true. Um I do find, I know I'm kind of repeating myself here, but I, I I find the idea of actually getting into someone else's psyche is is just really intriguing. I mean, we all see, you know, crime on the news or crime, uh, you know, in dramas or, and actually to, to really understand that people do behave like that. People do feel like that. They really actually want to hurt people um it's so alien to me in my sort of everyday life that i just i i do really think it's an intriguing exercise just to sort of try and put yourself into into those shoes uh-huh. and really begin to understand what drives someone to behave like that it's why we're all here right <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's that's great. Um, yeah, it is it definitely uh, is very relatable, hopefully, to everyone as well. And we're not just the, the two crazy people sitting here being like, this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> we could be, we could be, you know. <laughs> nah, I think we're okay. <laughs> yeah, I think we're, I think we're probably in some quite, quite esteemed company, if I'm honest. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, everyone. I think everyone. It starts with a question. I think that's where where crime begins, uh, at yes. least for me. <laughs> it always starts with definitely. a question. <laughs> definitely, and hopefully ends with an answer. I guess it depends on what you're writing. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you've worked for some rather big names, both in TV and radio, um, and you've won awards for your work, which is absolutely fantastic. I love that. That's really cool. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah. It's, Wow, <laughs> very very cool. Um, how has this, if it has, if if it has, how has it influenced uh, your crime series? Well, it's yeah. It, I mean, it has to a certain extent. So, um, not necessarily with the first book, uh, which is the one uh, that is coming out in the summer. Um, uh-huh. The one thing that I have used uh, within that, though, is um, because I obviously have a lot of in you know, insider knowledge, if you like, of newspapers and, and the news process and how news works. Very exciting. Um, <laughs> so I've used I've used some of that insider knowledge uh within the uh the book itself. Um and 
I also have, um, in some places I've also used journalistic, I was going to say tricks, but it's not a trick. It's just a journalistic method um, to put together um, information that actually helps the reader to to get more um, sort of where it's very difficult to perhaps understand certain things that may have happened prior. Um, I've used like, sort of um, journalism to actually write news stories uh, which are oh, okay. within the text as well, which um, All right. in some ways I think is a good thing. Um, I think yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not easy. Uh, this is the thing. This is one thing about journalism, actually, which which I've always find quite interesting because it's very easy for people to say that journalists make things up. Um, and I've had I've had that so often. Uh-huh. It's one of the things that so many people like to say to you. But my answer to that is okay. I'm going to sit you in a room for ten minutes, and I want you to make up from scratch a story that is completely plausible that you are going to tell me and I'm going to actually believe what you're saying. And if you if you actually put someone on the spot to do that, it's really hard. Yeah. So I'm not saying we're perfect. There, There's no such thing. But there is an awful lot more sort of research work that goes into journalism than people realise. And one of the things that is quite interesting um, when I was doing interviews and, and that sort of thing, when I was working at the Telegraph for um, trying to get sort of new new members of staff or whatever, um, we would always have people come into the interview and go, oh, I really love writing, I really love... And, and we sort of would let them carry on. And then you sort of pointed out to them that actually 70% of the work is is research in journalism. And it's a yeah, it's about 30% maybe is writing, maybe 40% is writing. And then, of course, they would sort of think about it and then go, yeah, I'm, I really love research. <laughs> so it, it was it was good. But, I mean, yeah, I, I think journalism, because obviously there's different different aspects. There's oh. feature writing, there's, um, there's news writing, there's gonzo journalism as well. I don't know if, have you, do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, sorry, Sam. I, I thought you probably would, but um, so gonzo journalism is is where the writer is more important than the story. So it's uh-huh. it, it would be, for example, you'd be writing about your own experience in something, um, like Hunter S. Thompson, um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas is a good example of that. Um, so yeah, and I I think that. For me, I'm I'm not a fan of that. I'm not a fan of being the center of attention. Um, I actually like finding out information and putting together information that I can then use to help people. Um, and that's I, I I mean my specialism is finance. Um, I specialize in finance journalism, uh, which covers everything from. Um, literally sort of anything to do with the city so I mean for example if I was still sort of working in the house I probably would be talking um talking or writing about the uh, situation this week with the uh, Credit Suisse and UBS for example and the the problems with the banks um so that would be you know sort of my bread and butter but my my real passion my real love is personal finance because it's it's where I'm able to help the most people which is what really 
is the, is the real reason I I became a journalist, which sounds a bit sort of twee or a bit you know worthy. Um, but that's 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 what I love. I actually genuinely love helping people. Yeah, yeah, that's really really cool. I love that, and I think given your background as well, um, I'd assume and and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'd, I'd assume that that would give you a lot more insight into research for novels as well, because um, yeah, you know. You're not afraid of, of hard work, and novels are, let's be honest, a lot of hard work, especially when it comes to research. They absolutely are. I mean, the amount of research I've done for my first book is is absolutely unbelievable, in all honesty. Um, it's just, I, I won't tell you exactly what I've been researching because it'll give the game away, but <laughs> there's there's so many different aspects of, of things that I've, I've been um, looking into and it is, it's just a very, I mean, I, I, I just find that really interesting. And I think in a way it's actually a blessing and a curse though, because one of the things that I find with research is that you you have everything kind of set out and, and you've got your ideas and everything, how you plan to write it. And then all of a sudden you come across something else and you think, ah, oh, that would be perfect. That would be amazing to add in. So you then kind of rejig your your plan and rejig everything to to kind of fit that bit in and then you find something else you're like oh that would be really good and so I'm in danger in danger of kind of having a few too many things so um I'm basically sort of I've started uh book two already um but I, I I'm I'm just yeah I, I need to stop magpieing I need to stop finding things that and that are nice and bright and shiny and thinking oh that would be great that would that would make it so much better because I'm not sure it does I think you have there's a point where you have to go enough this uh-huh. is it you've got to do mm. it now mm. yeah it's like put, put your paintbrush down that art piece is done <laughs> that's it exactly. yeah yeah I get that I get that completely I think yeah because he's as well last week said that he tends to fall into research rabbit holes and I completely get that I think I've got over 200 bookmarks saved of just like this would be cool to put in another book. If I don't put in this one, I can put in that one. And you kind of fall into that. And like six hours later, so you look up and you're like, actually, I haven't written today. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. But I, I mean, I actually, I, I don't know what, I don't know whether you do this though, but I've learned over the years and it's, it's slightly easier now I'm freelance rather than being in house, but I've learned over the years that actually if I'm not feeling like I want to write or like I need to write or that I've got something that I want to get out, I'm much better not doing anything. So what I tend to do now is I just, I wait. And if I'm in in the mood and, and able to do it, then I'm, I actually write for hours. I can write for hours and hours and hours and just be completely immersed. And, yeah. you know, by the time I've finished, I've done maybe 10, 15,000 words, but that's, it's come so much more easily. Yeah, that makes sense. And I don't know if you do this, but there's something I used to do, um, but then stopped for like by the time, because I'm on my sixth uh, rewrite of the debut novel um, at the moment, which is, yeah, I'm getting a bit sick of it now, but I have to do it. Like it has to be done. Um, I know what you mean. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, the first two or three drafts I would um, write. And then I'd come to a point where I'm like, oh, I don't know about this thing could be like a procedural thing or like information about food or whatever and I'd stop and I'd go look that up and I'd get that and then I'd fall into a rabbit hole and I'd come back and I'd write um 
what what is your process like around that? Do you stop and research or do you kind of just write straight through and then make notes to go back to later? I stop and research. Yeah. I mean, the the reason is because I am absolutely convinced that if I don't do it that way, then at some point I will put something out that has XXX put something oh. in so, <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> that could be interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, um, no, I... I I, I do tend to actually um, research because the other thing is I tend to forget as well, which is, a, I mean, you know, maybe it's just a, a me thing, but I tend to forget the the thread of what I was doing if I oh, right, yeah. go to yeah. research afterwards. So, yeah. and also because, because of my training as well and my job, um, you don't have the luxury of saying, you know, oh, I'll go and look that up afterwards. So, you, I, I'm sort of more attuned to that. It it works better for me, really. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think yeah, and that's also it's really interesting to hear how everyone works. Um, because I used to do that, and then I'd found like for me, I get distracted, so I'm um, re- researching how interviews work and five minutes later I'm down an interview rabbit hole watching something on YouTube about some interview like 20 years ago. Yeah. And then I go find that suspect and that interview and I'm down another rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think though sometimes, sometimes it helps just to have that break. Yeah. Just to have a, a sort of a bit of a mental break. Because the other thing that I find is that if you do research while you're trying to find something specific, there's a chance that you will find something additional that is useful uh-huh. that you would not have found otherwise. So I kind of, as long as it doesn't get too excessive, I, I quite like those um, research rabbit holes. I don't mind those at all. As long as it doesn't turn into a warren. Yeah. yeah. So you're currently working on the second novel of your DCI Caroline Kramer series. Yeah. What is the series about? Uh, so basically, it's a team of detectives and... They are Car- uh, DCI Caroline Kramer. Uh, she's the lead detective and senior investigating officer. Uh-huh. Um, there's a a psychologist, a forensic psychologist called Dr. Jill Traverne. And then um, the other members of the police team, you've got Rob DS Rob Gulliver, uh, DS Jack Sargent, and DC Leela Oh, Lever Johnson. Oh, isn't that bad? <laughs> Normally I only forget people's hair colour, not their names. Um, <laughs> DC, Lever Johnson. And then uh, we've got another uh, DC called Max Rodriguez. So they are basic, they're essentially the um, investigating team. So that's where it's, it's kind of centred around. Um, yeah, I mean, the series, but the way that I'm kind of putting my series together is the books would actually stand alone, but there will be certain things from previous books that will be referenced in future books. So it's a different case each time, um, but there will be, you know, certain things that, that will run right the way through the series, sort of experiences that people have or... Um, things that happen in their personal lives or their professional lives that sort of thing yeah oh that's really cool really really cool um 
Are you able to tell us what the first book is about or is it too much of a giveaway? It's, okay, I can tell you a bit. So basically, um, women are being kidnapped and held uh, for up to five days uh, from in and around Canterbury in Kent. That's where it's set. And they're finding the bodies uh, after the... It's usually five days, but there is one that is is less time for good reason. So, um, and what when they find the bodies, um, the bodies have all of their hair shaved, and they have a trinket or a token left with the body that doesn't actually belong to that person, and a Bible quote is left with each body as well that references the occult. Oh, ooh. Oh, nice and dark. <laughs> Very dark. <laughs> I was going to say, did the vicar do it? <laughs> <laughs> you have to that read. Would be interesting. You have to yeah. read to find out. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, mm, that, that's an interesting twist there. <laughs> yeah. No, so, wow. so, yeah, so they, the, the investigating team uh, are, they're not finding any clues. Um, they're not getting any forensic breaks at all. And each of the women, at first they're not even sure it's it's a serial killer because the women have been killed in different ways. So one is burned, one is hanged, one is drowned. As you do. <laughs> As you do. But each of them has this kind of signature um, that is obviously proving to them that yeah it is it is going to be the same person that's responsible obviously this person's covered their tracks really well very well very cool very cool that sounds that sounds exciting and i know well i i guess in our community it's not it's not a bad thing to say it sounds exciting because we're on the same wavelength <laughs> yeah and it's fiction yeah exactly right? so it's if if it was someone really doing it it would be very disturbing yeah um but yeah yeah, exactly. So, so what sort of research um, did you have to do for this then? Oh, I mean, I've researched so many things. I mean, I was researching police procedural things. Um, it, there is a historical aspect to this as well, um, which is to do with uh, the way that women have been treated through the ages. Um so it's yeah it's it's very very dark and no the i mean the 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 level of um research was quite no. quite significant it's very it's difficult for me because if i if i actually say exactly what i was researching then it's going to be obvious yeah hopefully i'm hoping people will enjoy it i'm hoping people will enjoy it oh i'm, I'm sure they will <laughs> that's what we that's that's what we all hope right yeah um <laughs> it, it sounds really interesting so we've obviously worked as a journalist for quite a while. Um, yeah, I'm just curious, has there ever been anything that you've, I don't know, read in a novel or seen on TV uh, that has made you, you know, sort of sit back and go, Oof, that's inaccurate? No, I mean, but I think um, there are certain things that, that people don't, they don't kind of get quite right. Um, off the record is a is a big one and this is one of the things because I do media training and things like that now as well and um, this is one of the things that I think people really kind of misunderstand because they think off the record 
means you absolutely cannot use this. If someone says to you, you absolutely cannot use this, then you absolutely cannot use it. If someone says to you off the record, it does mean that they do not want you to use what they have said specifically. Other journalists may disagree with this, but this is this is how I have always understood it. And I've always uh, sort of dealt with it this way. And I've always trained people this way. That if you don't want something to be used by a journalist, simply don't say it. It's, it's as simple as that. If you say off the record, basically, it's kind of understood that it's it's background. So it's not like you can say X, Y, Z of company ABC said, da, 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 da. absolutely, you get into serious, serious trouble for that. Um, but if you said someone close to the organization or someone close to the, the subject, whatever it is, um, is un- it's understood that do you know that kind of thing that's that's basically how off the record information is usually used so if people absolutely don't want information to get into an article or something of that nature or a news program or a radio program or a tv interview or whatever just don't say it that that's mine my sort of top bit of advice so yeah I mean there are certain things like that that sometimes people kind of misinterpret or you know the way that newsrooms work they misinterpret the hierarchy of editors um the way that you you know you you're not the journalist actually isn't on their own they can't just go off and do their own thing um and it gets into the paper because it just doesn't work like that. You've got three or four different layers of people above you who have to sign it off before. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and the process that we go through is, is extraordinarily rigorous as well. Um, you can't just, you know, you can't just come up with something, research it, and then it goes straight in. You have your first editor will be your news editor who questions you. Why, why is this happening? What do you mean by that? How is that true? Who said that? Where did this come from? You know, all of these questions are constantly fired at you. Um, and then above the news editor, you would have, for example, in my situation, we would have had the city editor or the personal finance editor. Um, and again, they would go through the same process. Why this? Why that? You know, they would ask you every question under the sun to make sure that your story actually is is correct, is right, is you know valid, is in the public interest. You know, all of those things have to be taken into consideration. And even beyond that, you've got the editor of the paper. So the idea that somehow you could you could have a journalist be making up you know stories here and there, or just you know falsifying information there's a lot of checks and balances that go into the work and I'm not saying that they always work they don't always work there are times when things are um you know they're they're done in a hurry or they're a bit slapdash or you know and and it's it's not done as well as it should be but the process on the whole is so rigorous that it's very unusual for something to go wrong and I think I can I can tell you in the in the years that I've been working, which is more than twenty more than twenty years now, 
I probably know of maybe two or three at most legal cases that I've that I've like had someone that I have actually known be involved in. Um, and if you think of the thousands and thousands of stories that you know, not only I've written, but the, but the people around me have written in that time. The, the idea that you know journalists are gung ho and they just go and do this, and then it gets in the paper, and it doesn't really work like that. And of course, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would say, "Yeah, well, you would say that, wouldn't you?" Because it's your job. But you know, I, I know it from the inside, and I've been in those situations where you're quizzed. And absolutely, you know, pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed to the very limits of of being able to kind of get more information, get more information, get more information. Um, yeah, I think those are the, those are the things that I think people. It's it's easy to say journalists make stuff up. It's easy to say that we, you know, we we kind of don't do our jobs very well and and that was one of the things when people would write in you know they would send letters in after I'd written a story or you know and they would say well you you haven't you don't understand this or you haven't done any research or whatever and you just kind of you know knowing how much research you have done and knowing what goes into the story the idea that someone would then turn around and say you haven't done anything that was a bit that was always quite galling but we had a thing, and anyone who who may have received this, I apologise in advance for this, but we we had a thing that we would do when we had people who were being unreasonable um, because they they were sort of saying that we hadn't put something into a story which we had, or you know that we hadn't covered an angle which we had, and we basically would send it back to them very politely, highlighted for their convenience, so that they would see exactly where we had done what they said we hadn't. So I think that's a very long-winded answer, sorry, but that's probably the thing that, that I think would be the one thing that I would say is is most commonly inaccurate in the, the, the things that just mm. go into yeah. sort of books and writing. Yeah, that makes sense. And I don't know, I feel a lot of times, um, maybe it's just the books that I've read, uh, but journalists and the books that I've read um, in crime have, have always sort of been singled out as like i don't know the bad guys you know the people who, yeah the people who are always like trying to get in the way of the yeah. police or the investigation or you know they're insensitive um when it comes to the victims well you know it's a difficult one right because i know i i worked with a guy who who um was asked to do this by his newspaper and i won't say which newspaper it is but you can imagine uh i imagine um but he was actually asked to get a photograph of um, someone who had who had died, and he did actually take a photograph from someone's house without permission. So it does happen. I'm not saying it doesn't. It does happen. Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. But those are the rarities, um, and there is a lot of pressure. You know, there is a lot of pressure. There's time pressure. Um, there's the pressure to get the story because if you don't get the story and another paper does or another journalist does then you're you're in the firing line um and there's pressure from the editors yeah there's an awful lot of um there's an awful lot that goes into it really that's the one thing that i i i would say i mean i've i've actually been on raids with police for example 
um it was there was a a raid uh it was a, it was a, a four or five address raid actually in london in um that was being done by the ford office it was it was a an insurance fraud um but they invited me to go to one of the raids with them um and that was fascinating and so the the relationship between the police and journalists sometimes is there's a lot of friction there but actually uh, sometimes it's one of kind of mutual assistance um and that's the thing that very often doesn't come across um and even in in my first book that that's i've i've got a an antagonistic relationship between the two um but in my second book because the journalist uh, the the journalist is is a different journalist that that uh, they're working with um that changes in the second book so yeah i think it's it's a lot about characters as well that you know as with everything there are people you get on with people you don't people you're prepared to help people you're not <laughs> um, so it, it 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 works the same you know whether it's in writing or or in life there there are going to be times when it's antagonistic just because the the characters butt heads you know that they don't agree they're never going to agree but they have to work together and that that creates friction yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah and i guess that's life <laughs> yeah absolutely in any job yeah yeah for the, sure um police you know that relationship with the police um when it comes to journalists and how you know it's, it's obviously it's mutual respect as well for each other's each other's jobs um but knowing at the end of the, yeah. the day that there's a job to be done and at the same time there's news around that job um just respecting that i guess yeah that's right and i mean you know when you look at sort of police appeals and things like that if then if they if they haven't got the ability to actually do an appeal through the press then it's very difficult sometimes sure. for them to get the information they need yeah. um so yeah i mean it's 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 kind of it, it, i guess in in my book for example it's it's going to be a bit of a love hate um or a hate love let's put it that way <laughs> but but yeah uh, i think it's it's probably not dissimilar um in a lot of ways in life but i think the relationship generally is much more symbiotic than mm. is usually portrayed in tv shows or mm. or anything else yeah but i mean i guess in the writing world it's all about drama isn't it <laughs> exactly and you wouldn't have any drama without friction yeah yeah exactly it's about drama <laughs> yeah 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 so yeah that makes sense definitely um all right cool well thank you so much for for sitting down with me it's been an absolute pleasure having you on amazing well thank you for having me i've really enjoyed it thank you oh.